0: Welcome to What's the Law Say, a presentation of Legal Aid of West Virginia. I am Clint Adams, Legal Director at Legal Aid of West Virginia, and in this episode, we'll, we will be discussing medical cannabis with Brendan Wood. Before we begin, we love to start with a disclaimer so that everybody can be disclaimed. So we'll do that first. Legal Aid of West Virginia is a nonprofit law firm. We provide legal services and advocacy to vulnerable West Virginians. This program is presented to provide relevant and current information. All the information is current at the time this program is published. Our guest attorneys are licensed to practice law in the state of West Virginia, and this information relates only to the law in the state of West Virginia and does not take the place of an attorney-client relationship. You should speak with an attorney with your specific situation. As noted, I'm Clint Adams. I'm your host, and today I'm joined by Brendan Wood. Brendan, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Clint. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself, Brendan. Uh, Where do you practice so I have been practicing for almost four years now. I'm
1: currently located in Charleston, West Virginia. And um, when I came to Legal Aid, we launched the state's first ever uh, medical legal partnership, specifically focused on people in recovery. So we do pretty wide range of legal services. I'd say there's certainly a focus on socioeconomic barriers and family law for uh, people who are in recovery, whether they be in a recovery residence or in a medication-assisted treatment
0: facility and you assist them with their legal issues as an attorney, um, as those relate to things that, that may be impacting their recovery? That's correct.
1: Yep. Anything that, you know, we kind of got a short list of different things like driver's licenses, expungements, um, employment discriminations, and then like I mentioned, family law. A lot of people are very motivated to try to get some visitation rights to their kids back, but we we do try to keep it open. Anything that the client or the the facility or residence perceives to be a legal issue to their recovery. We we try to take it if it's something that legal aid can do. And if not, we try to get them where they need to go.
0: So one of the issues that we want to talk about today is uh, medical cannabis. A few years ago, a couple of years ago, West Virginia passed a medical cannabis law it was actually passed a while ago, but we're starting to see the dispensaries and things of that nature. So we thought this would be a good topic to talk about. As we start, let's let's kind of start from about 10,000 feet. What is cannabis?
1: Cannabis? Uh, well, I'm sure I was joking about this, just looking at it, right? I tried to look up every possible slang term that has ever been used and, and the most common of which are cannabis, marijuana, right? Called medical marijuana in this situation. But there's easily over a hundred, um, and a lot of them are outdated. Like you could talk to ten different people, and they might give you ten different words that <laughs> they originally call it. But as as I'm sure most of our viewers <laughs> and everybody else on the planet is aware, it's a naturally occurring plant-based substance that uh, is. Um, know, I'm trying to physically describe it without sounding too too nerdy, right? But it's a <laughs> it's a green <laughs> earthy texture to it and uh it can be manipulated into all forms whether it's a concentrate or um cooked with food and we'll get into which ones of those are currently legal or not legal in the state of west
0: virginia <laughs> you spent more time talking about what that is than snoop Dogg or cheech and chong or willie nelson i just want you to know that <laughs> who are who are well-renowned um supporters of of marijuana in various forms now, when we talk about medical marijuana, we talk about cannabis in, in that capacity. Is that the same thing as this CBD oil that you see you can buy at the at the local convenience store? Uh, the short answer
1: is no. The better answer is it shouldn't be because a lot <laughs> of people are purchasing CBD projects. And, 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 and I won't get into too much of it, but people see this Delta 8 versus Delta 9 thing, right? And, and it's just important to know that Delta-9 is is what's strictly illegal in terms of if you're going to use that recreationally. Delta-9 is strictly illegal. Delta-8 is supposed to be legal, but if you're buying it at your local um, vape shop or gas station, there's a high likelihood that it may cause you to fail a drug test anyway. So I put that kind of same disclaimer on CBD to a lesser extent, right? CBD should not have any significant amount of THC in it. Because it doesn't have a significant amount of THC, it doesn't produce the same high that 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 cannabis does. And it's used more for, um, you know, sleep enhancement, um, sedative
0: products, different oils. People are giving CBD to their dogs to help them with anxiety. So there's no specific regulations as it relates to the CBD, but there certainly are regulations as we talk about medical cannabis. The short answer, yeah, to that. I mean,
1: there's probably regulations for all CBD products, but it's probably state by state.
0: When we talk about the medical marijuana, we talked about the state of West Virginia passed the law. It was really a few years ago, um, and there was some rollout timeframe as it relates to that. What does that law then permit um, someone to be able to do as it comes to utilizing um, medical cannabis? there's a,
1: a list that i don't have completely memorized in my head but i could give you a couple of them of conditions right these are the qualifying conditions by which somebody is permitted to own and use medical cannabis as you mentioned earlier this, this law's been on the books for a while it's it's been a gradual rollout particularly in creating right certifying and stocking right? You've got to, you know, grow it under certain regulations and then stock the state dispensaries because if it's bought anywhere else, then it's not legal medical marijuana.
0: So you can't get legal medical marijuana anywhere except for the dispensary. You're not going to get this. I mean, if you buy it on the street, it's really a street drug then, and it's just as illegal as it would be, as it was before they passed the medical marijuana law. Is that, is that correct? That's correct. And even when you buy it at the state licensed dispensaries
1: you cannot transport it from that from that packaging into another sort of container picture any movie right whatever container baggy little you know plastic container all the million ways that people store their um, cannabis over the years the second it leaves that bag with that label it becomes illegal
0: so as we talk about that, who enforces then the, the local laws as it relates to uh, cannabis enforcement? You've got your, your most obvious actors,
1: right? You've got your state troopers, you've got your local law enforcement and you've got your courts, your probation officers, your judges, anybody else home confinement whoever else is doing a drug screen right might enforce that but the reality is just about every institution enforces it or being i mean frankly speaking that what people should be doing is purchasing it at the dispensary if they have a legal medical card for it and then they should be taking it home and they shouldn't be using it really anywhere else and alcohol has been legal since at least the 20s and you you still can't drink and drive right so if you're possessing it publicly you're you're running the risk because the only question is why do you have it in public (laughs) if you have it in public to use it and you're traveling to and from that public space then you're probably breaking the law anyway
0: So let's talk about this. Let's say I have a condition, um, anxiety or or depression or something that would qualify, um, and I go see my healthcare provider. My healthcare provider says, I really think medical cannabis may do you some good. What's that process look like? How do I get one of these cards? Well, I'm glad you said anxiety, depression, because that's a
1: pretty big misconception here in the state because neither of those are actually qualifying conditions. The only qualifying condition that is quote unquote common would be post traumatic stress disorder. Most of the other ones are listed are you know terminal illnesses or chronic pain um, illnesses, and it's not just you know run of the mill back pain. It's like nerve damage, right? Is 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 the kind of stuff that qualifies.
0: So For so let's say let's care. say that instead I have nerve damage and um and I I have some severe back pain, and I go see my doctor and my doctor says I think man, medical cannabis would help you. Under the act, uh, most doctors are
1: not qualified. There's actually a list. If you go to um, the website, that's the Australian Office of Medical Cannabis, there's a list of every certified physician. But you've got to remember, those physicians are not the ones who provide the diagnosis. Your doctor may say, hey, you know, you've got some pretty bad nerve damage. I think medical marijuana may do you some good I'm going to give you this diagnosis with which you can now go to one of these other certified physicians. Those certified physicians give you a form, essentially a form certifying that you qualify for medical marijuana. But it's a very important distinction to make that they do not prescribe medical marijuana. It is not a prescription because to be a prescription, it has to be approved under the FDA, which is a federal law, and it's still illegal federally.
0: Let's go ahead and run through this process, and then we'll talk about some of those distinctions between federal and state law. So you get your diagnosis
1: first, if it qualifies, you get an appointment with the approved physician. They provide a physician certification for qualified patients. You take that and you fill out your application online. And I believe it is intended to be online, not to be mailed in. There's a couple other uh, documents that are required. I believe they require a driver's license. Um, You have to take a photo, kind of like how you would have to for a passport, right? Take a digital photo that becomes the picture for your Medical cannabis card, it's all listed on the medical cannabis website for the state, and then you you submit your payment to the office of medical cannabis, and there is a waiver available. I found out you need to provide your proof of income, or you know if you're getting some public benefits, something else that would indicate you're at or below 200% of federal poverty level. And I just remembered what else they needed, which was the uh, proof of residency, kind of stuff the DMV would want, right? your utility bill, your uh, voter registration, whatever it may be. Once everything's received, including the payment. It'll take about 30 to 60 days for review by the Office of Medical Cannabis. Just because you have that physician certification for qualified patients doesn't mean your application is automatically accepted. And um, if it is accepted, you'll get an email and your card is actually emailed to you. A lot of people think it's going to be looking like a Social Security card or like a driver's license or something else. No, it is emailed to you. And then that would be the card that you would take to get it filled at the dispensary. Is that correct? Correct. That's correct, and it'll say on the card how much you can get. And one more important thing to do, just because we're talking about the application, the card's only good for a year, so you've
0: got to renew it. So we talk about this as something that's approved by the West Virginia law. It's my understanding, however, that the Drug Enforcement Agency and other things operate on federal law. Has the federal law changed as it relates to marijuana? We've seen a lot of states passing medical marijuana or even recreational marijuana use. Um, has the law changed on this in, in the federal aspects? No changes at all in terms of the controlled
1: substance app. Still a Schedule One controlled substance. The only small changes you might see might be in federal regulations from administration to administration. And we can maybe get into public housing for an example down the road on on how it's looked at by different federal um, agencies. But but nope. Short answer is nope. Still illegal federally.
0: So with that being illegal. Federally, what impact does that have if you're say on federal property, like a, a national park or something of that nature? You know, if you've got
1: your medical cannabis card right and you've got your medical cannabis, if you're somewhere in the state, right? Again, you could. There's certain certain things you still can't do with it, right? But if as an officer stops you and you can show that it's in its intended packaging, you should be free to go on your way, right? That's not the case on federal. you have now violated federal law and you're possessing a controlled substance. I would say, (laughs) you know, I mean, in terms of like where that, where federal property may be, right? You've got, the obvious ones. You've got federal courthouses, right? Federal agency buildings like the VA or like social security buildings. But some places people might not think of. Uh, some federal like FBI centers or post offices or, or those buildings may share a parking lot with another business, right? And that could be considered federal property as well. And then, of course, there's the national parks. We here at West Virginia are celebrating the, the New River Gorge nearby and Fayetteville is now a national park.
0: I mean, for what it's worth, and I'm not a criminal attorney, they would still have to have some reason to search your vehicle or, or something of that nature in any event. So, it's not like, um, you know, as you drive onto a national park, they're going to be rifling through your console to see if uh, if there's some properly labeled medical cannabis in there. But nonetheless, you do have to be cautious and realize, though, that, that in that situation, you could be setting up for a little bit more concern because, it, you know, it's illegal as far as being a federal controlled substance. That would be correct, right? And obviously, nobody wants a federal offense. So, uh, Brendan, as we talk about this, you mentioned there were some limitations even on state properties So we've covered. If you're going to be on a federal, even if you might not think about it being federal, as I noted with you in Clarksburg, the amphitheater where they have uh, music shows on a regular basis, a lot of times you'll find yourself parking at the VA parking lot where the VA hospital is there in Clarksburg. So aside from those federal limitations you want to be cautious about, are there other places within the state that you're not permitted to have medical cannabis? Yeah, and I don't have a comprehensive
1: list for that sort of thing. Just common sense where, you know, I mean, and the reality is um, you can't smoke it, right? Under the law, you actually can't smoke it in any form. Uh, I don't imagine many people are pulling out their bottle of a uh, medical cannabis ointment or oil and, and applying it on their skin at the state courthouse, I think more likely you would see people wandering, you know, across state property they didn't realize was state property while smoking it. And 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 those people would obviously be violating the law by smoking it at all. But but on top of that, I mean it's just a common sense test really.
0: What forms is cannabis legal in West Virginia if you have the proper documentation in the medical card to support it?
1: If you look on the uh, Office Medical Cannabis website, they list all of the forms. Right? I mean, the short answer is you basically purchase it in the form of, uh, you know, whatever people call it, herbal flower form. That's the form that it's purchased in. It's actually interesting the dispensaries can't sell it in the form of an edible, but the expectation is um, that you're not going to smoke the flower form. Basically, you just you you need to mix it in with tea, right? Mix it in with food, right? I mean, people think of pot brownies as <laughs> the most common form of edible, right? And those are actually legal under the law, right? But the dispensary doesn't do that for. There's not a bake sale section at the dispensary where they've got <laughs> you know a, a bakery set up over there. The concentrate form. I think if you've ever heard of dabs or oil, right? I think that's what that refers to. but It's interesting. I saw I saw a client who had one of the cards, and the standard amount is six ounces per person and 60 either grams of of concentrate. But I I do understand that that is a large
0: quantity let me ask you something is this something that, that when you go to the dispensary is this something they're going to be able to take your medical card your Medicaid your Medicare uh, private insurance any of those going to cover um, this this kind of treatment so you, you threw me off and you said medical card because that's something we got to work on <laughs> as,
1: as a state because we Fair refer enough. to that as both your medical marijuana or your medical cannabis card and your uh, you know your card that that a child or, or somebody else would get to help them with their with the coverage I mean the short answer though is no uh, Medicaid and medicare are both benefits right federal public benefits that are that are put out and so they follow federal law for their standards and then i I could have just said no categorically because private insurers generally most of them are not well they're not providing coverage for medical cannabis either and uh might be the same reason that most of the startups when things were just starting to get legalized here had a hard time getting loans from the banks right they just they're worried about violating the federal law while trying to provide insurance state by state
0: so along those lines, you should check with the dispensary to determine what type of payment they would take. Um, because as you noted, federal banking regulations. I know as an attorney, we attended some trainings as this was coming out, and and, and some of the distinctions between federal law and state law, and, and that was one of the big hurdles to get over to find a place, frankly, that that this money could be stored that that's that's made through what's in fact a violation of federal law.
1: Yeah and and I'll be honest I I didn't get into that detail right I assume that they accept most common forms I would think they would take cash check and credit card but I I can't verify that
0: I I honestly just not sure with the credit cards because those are often run by banking institutes as institutions as well so that could create a problem for them Now as we talk about this let's say you have a a card in West Virginia that permits you to possess and consume medical cannabis. Are you allowed to take that with you if you go across state lines, if you go visit your family in another state? Short answer is no. I mean, obviously, I only practice here in West Virginia, so there may
1: be a state that has some preferable form of prosody. But I can I can speak for West Virginia, which is um, the laws written to say West Virginia – uh, will uh, has a process in place by which you can take an outside state's medical card. However, West Virginia needs to have a reciprocity agreement with that state. And currently, West Virginia has no reciprocity agreement. drafted law in such as a way that it might become yes for some states in the future.
0: Now, what about on uh, interstate commerce things, trains, planes, buses, um anything like that, that would be the same thing with no reciprocity agreement? Yeah,
1: and, and frankly, you know, when you reach planes, you're going to run into federal guidelines anyway. Um, but for trains and buses, it's going to be the same boat as as just any other form of travel to another state, where you could you should have the expectation that state will not recognize your medical card or the or the product itself, and then you know for a fact West Virginia won't recognize somebody else's medical card or product.
0: So let's say you moved to West Virginia and you were treating with. Um cannabis in another state. What what would that process be for you to be able to treat in West Virginia, given that right now we have no reciprocity agreements, so you're not just going to be able to come in with that other state's cards? Would you just go through the whole process we outlined in the first step as far as um, seeking a doctor in West Virginia and all those things?
1: Yeah, that's right. Presumably, you know, unless you're coming from a recreational state, if you're coming from another state that has just medical, presumably they would have a similar process. But you would want to make sure that you've got your um, physician, you know, you've got your diagnosis, your valid diagnosis, and then you would have to go to one of the um, physicians that are approved on the Office of Medical Cannabis website and start the process over, which could take, I would say, for most folks, it's probably two to three months, depending on how long it takes them to get their stuff together.
0: Let's say um, you're prescribed medical cannabis and you fail a, a drug test at work. You know, your, your employer is someone who does a random drug test. Can your employer fire you um, even though you have this medical card?
1: Absolutely. Um, under the law, there's, you know, more specific sort of things set out in terms of, you know, the, the kind of jobs that, you know, It might be illegal substances still for a bit. People working with anything that involves public safety, people operating heavy machinery, right? And and, and I'll say this. The, the law specifically writes that um, you won't be able to use your medical certification as a defense to any sort of adverse employment action. So you'll have no recourse if you're fired for using it
0: even if you obtained it legally through the state. Now, we touched on a little bit earlier uh, about federal places where there are restrictions. What if you're in public housing that's federally subsidized or or is um, owned by the the federal government? What, what impact does uh, West Virginia's medical cannabis law have on that? It's a great question. Something I actually just
1: happened to research um, for a case recently. And there's basically two sets of rules here, right? One is for a new applicant. So if the the public housing authority or, or complex or maybe receives an application that new applicant and then that new applicant discloses that they regularly use marijuana whether it's or cannabis whether it's medical or not that person must be rejected under the federal regulations however for existing tenants and this is actually how it's drafted not not me kind of saying oh they're getting away with it right (laughs) it says for existing tenants it's sort of it's basically discretionary for the for the for the um housing complex in practice what it really means is i mean there's two types of folks who get kicked out of public housing for medical cannabis right the first type is your quintessential problem tenant right? Maybe this person um, is having parties. Maybe this person has police activity or something else on their unit. Maybe this person is getting fights with all their neighbors, right? And that person might get evicted on the basis of their medical cannabis who otherwise might not have been evicted. And then the second category of folks are folks who are just maybe not problem tenants, but are careless and a routine inspection is done or routine repair is done. And there's, like you said, a Cheech and Chong arrangement on the table, and the, and the landlord sees it, and they might be obligated to, to kick him out in that situation.
0: What if you're on probation? What if you uh, committed some crime, you've been released, you're on probation, and the physician feels like you should um, you know, receive the ability to consume um, medical cannabis? Is, is that protected if you're on probation? So I don't practice criminal
1: law, however, I did attend a uh, guardian ad litem training that Came with some knowledge for, from some folks who work with probation courts, and, and essentially, and this this same kind of case-by-case analysis will extend to the family courts and to the circuit courts as well, which is to say they're very skeptically looking at medical cannabis right Um, there's several diagnoses that are used more commonly than others right i'm not to say that people don't validly have this and and the example that i would use would be post-traumatic stress disorder so anybody who goes through um, probation or through the abuse and neglect process or just even divorce custody cases who has that ptsd diagnosis and nothing else um, the courts will actually inquire and see what is the basis of the diagnosis they can also inquire as to who certified it so i've I've heard talk, I haven't worked with any clients directly, of of folks who maybe got their card via some online website, right? Or not not got their card, but got their diagnosis, right? So they didn't have a very good starting point in terms of what the the law requires. Now, those folks, from my understanding, probably shouldn't be getting certified. But if they are, and if they end up in any of these court systems, it's certainly going to be viewed as less legitimate. And even if it is viewed as legitimate, um, I would say that this all hinges on the word prescribed, right? Because this is not prescribed under the FDA, there's no protection from the courts for discrimination, right? And and we we said we might talk about this later, but you know I work with people under medication assisted treatment. So the big one is Suboxone these days, right? If you've got a prescription for Suboxone, the court can't force you off of that prescription
0: in the case of medical cannabis, there is no prescription. So, the courts can force you off of it. So, Brendan, as we talk about that, we talk about medically-assisted treatment. That's the suboxone, the methadone, where the doctor is actually prescribing that as a recovery tool to assist people um, who are in recovery. And as you noted, that comes with a lot more protections. Um, If I'm an employer and I have a An employee who is receiving treatment through Suboxone or Methadone, can I fire them if they fail a drug test and it shows up for the things they've been prescribed? Generally, no, right? And we talked briefly about other legal prescriptions that may
1: impact employment. Um, I know that folks who are trying to get CDLs who are on Suboxone are having a hard time, but the answer is generally no. And frankly, you know, if, if Suboxone or something else is taken as prescribed, people should be getting a dosage that should make them safe. Pretty much nobody should be getting fired for their legal prescription. And that comes from the Americans with Disabilities Act and the West Virginia Human Rights Act, both of which protect it. However, the very key point to bring up here is because I mentioned the ADA, which is a federal law so under that analysis for what a discrimination case brings up you're not protected if you are also using illegal drugs right so if you're using medical marijuana and suboxone you're no longer protected under the ada if you bring an ada claim for employment so that's it's a big distinction there you know you might be protected under state law that might be a different analysis on on how that plays out and i do want to just just go over a couple quick other uh, discrimination sort of like elements, right? So we mentioned if you're not currently using illegal drugs and you're just taking a prescription, right, and you're fired, right, or any other adverse employment action, right, you're not hired, you're denied a promotion, you probably have what looks like a case, right? It might be more complicated than that. The other two situations where you might have some protection is if you have a history of substance use disorder, right? So you might not be currently being treated, but you might be. You know, maybe you were in treatment at some point, or even if you weren't in treatment at all, if you had a a prior use, right, and it's medically documented, and the employer knows that and fires you. If you're not currently using legal drugs, you're protected. And then the final category is if you're regarded as, right? So this would be your scenario where maybe you ran around with the wrong crowd in high school, whatever it may have been and uh, you go to apply for a job and one of your former high school classmates works at that place of employment and they say you shouldn't hire them you know they used to be somebody with a drug problem and the employer acts on that without actually doing anything to verify whether you're currently using illegal drugs you would be protected even though you maybe never had a problem at all
0: there there certainly are those protections as we noted as it relates to um to people who are in recovery, um, and a lot of those don't apply. So if you're going to if you're going to get a um, medical cannabis card in West Virginia, we need to understand that distinction as to when those apply. And th- those apply generally if you have something that you're prescribed, no matter what it is, if it's prescribed by a doctor. But whereas the medical cannabis isn't a prescription; it just notes certain people have eligibility, and with that eligibility, could receive that as a treatment. That's correct. So, Brendan, as you noted, in employment situations, if you're uh, receiving a prescription for medically-assisted treatment and taking a, a medical cannabis, you're not going to be, be protected in an employment setting. What are the recovery centers' uh, take when it comes to medical cannabis? It's very much a program-by-program program situation. For example, there's a
1: lot of um recovery residences many of which are faith-based or abstinence-based who don't allow people to even smoke cigarettes right so they and in those some places um they joke people jokingly call it uh, california sober right for people in recovery who are still only and still and only using (laughs) marijuana or cannabis right some people reject that concept and and some uh, recovery residences and medication-assisted treatment facilities reject that concept. So if you're in a resident situation, you might get kicked out immediately if you're caught using it or possessing it. And if you're in a medication-assisted treatment, um, this, like I said, varies organization by organization. But from what I'm seeing is this willingness to kind of take the lesser two evils here by the facility where they're like, look, this person is in here because they were having a huge problem with methamphetamines or you know they were they were about to you know maybe they were if we, if if we don't treat them right they may die from a fentanyl overdose the next day right and they can and they can deal with the the negative uh, or the positive drug screens for for marijuana term being harm reduction right like what's what's the way we prevent the the harm which is the true negative health outcome that they're trying to avoid, which is a fatal overdose and a and a full relapse so having said that, that same recovery facility might not let that person count that towards their days right, which this loops back to the employment cases right might impact your family law
0: situations, other things, but even within the program. So before you would want to go down the path of, of submitting the application for, for medical cannabis, if you're in recovery, you probably want to consult with the people who are giving you treatment as to what their policies might be as it relates to that. And if that
1: particular facility thinks that medical cannabis or... If medical cannabis is harmful to the recovery process, they're probably not going to approve of it.
0: Brendan, thank you so much for taking the time. I think this is an important topic. It's really complicated as the interplays between state and federal law. And um, I I think our ultimate advice would be to be cautious as it relates to this. But if you think it will be beneficial, consult with your physician and potentially legal counsel if you might need it. Thanks for having me, Clint. We talked about this
1: law's. Ever changing at the state and national level. So hopefully everything we said won't be completely invalidated in five years. But I hope it can (laughs) help
0: some people in the meantime. Sounds great, Brendan. I appreciate your time and I hope you have a great day. More information about obtaining a medical cannabis card is available at the Office of Medical Cannabis website at omc.wv.gov. If you've been the victim of discrimination as it relates to your medically assisted treatment, you may contact the West Virginia Human Rights Commission at hrc.wv.gov, or you may contact a private attorney through the State Bar Referral Service located at wvbar.org. Thank you for joining us for this presentation of What's the Law Say? A presentation of Legal Aid of West Virginia.